Welcome to the Centro Church Podcast. To find out more about Centro Church, please visit us at centrochurch.com.au or download our smartphone app today. We're at the podcast on the Sunday. We I preached a message called The Power of Purpose. And uh, we looked at how there's uh, many things that we can control in our life that would bring about uh, good things in our lives. There's things that we can't control. I, I understand that. Um, you know, this... Uh, person who I'm sure we would all like to get a bat to the head, this guy that has done this horrible thing in Melbourne this week. We can't control things like that. We can't control people. Uh, uh, There's lots of things in life that we can't control uh, and life happens, but there are many things that we can control that can bring about good things in our life. And purpose is one of them, living a life that uh, I'm going to initiate something of purpose. When I come to work, I'm going to work on purpose. When I come into my home, I'm going to lead on purpose. There's many things that we can control and purpose is one of them. There's other things like the power of words. Bible says that uh, the gift, uh, uh, that death and life is in the power of the tongue. And so you have the ability, check this out, you have the power to either lift somebody up or utterly tear them down. You have that power, the power of attitude the power of actions. There's many powers that we can control that would bring about good things in our lives. This morning, I want to continue that thought, and I want to look at the power of a memory. The power of memory. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready? Turn to your other neighbor and say, yes, I am. So right now, in the here and now moments of life, it's spectacular. It's unbelievable. You know, the person you're going to be in 10 years' time, you're simply going to be the sum of decisions. You're going to be the whole sum of decisions that you make right now. And I want this morning just to go through a a few thoughts on how uh, good memories are going to shape you up and set you up for something that you probably uh, haven't even dreamt of, that your life is going to be amazing simply by uh, uh, creating good memories. Memories. There's this guy in the Bible, his name's David, and he's a shepherd boy. And uh, through a series of unfortunate events, he finds himself on the front lines of a war, a war between his people, the Israelites, and uh, uh, the uh, people who lived basically right next door to them called the Philistines. And you might know the story, the Philistines, what would happen uh, actually in ancient war, what would happen was instead of going to war and killing all your, all your men, uh, sometimes you would just choose the best of the best, they would fight. Whoever wins, that's the army that wins. So you save all your men from getting killed. And so David finds himself on this front line of war and the Philistines have their best man out. And David comes into this situation and he's hearing this best man taunt the Israelite army. And David, I want to just introduce to you what David says. He says, as he says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told the king. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, the king said to David. David was roughly between the ages of 12 to 14 years old. And this soldier, who was their best man, uh, uh, the Bible says, was a man of war when he was at that age. And so this guy knew how to fight. The king says, there's no way that you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. 
if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. Anyone done that lately? Just randomly got into a fight with a bear and killed it? I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine. And, and then at the end, Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead then. Man, how crazy is this story? This story shows us the power of a memory. The power of a memory. At one point, the king is, no, David, you can't do this. Then all David does is reminisce, and he changes the king's mind. All because of a memory. All because David begins to reminisce. There's a famous Polish poet, Stanislaw Jersey. He said, you can close your eyes to reality, but never to memories. See, memories vividly remind us of where we've been and where we're going. Memories not only shape who we are right now, but they also define who those around us are. You'll think someone's good simply based on good experiences which lead to good memories. Other people, you'll say they're a bad person because of bad memories. Memories shape not only how you see yourself, they also shape how you see other people. Psychologist Charles Ferniehoe says this, memory is our lifeblood. I remember, therefore I am. Meaning this, in every adult, major characteristics that we portray is simply, character, is simply characteristic commissioned by a memory of past experiences. Meaning this, the way that we act and react in situations is based on past memories. The reason why I'll be rude to you is because I remember you were rude to me. The reason why I'm generous to you is because I remembered I have a memory that you were generous to me. Isn't that interesting? How we portray ourselves is simply a reaction to memories. At uh, one time, uh, I took Malachi down to the beach, uh, Cap, as well, okay, and uh, he was about, uh, I think about eight months old. He went to the beach, and when we got there, I was like, let's go for a swim, so we took him in uh, for a swim, and the waves were probably not even up halfway up my legs. And it's not small, so I thought, oh, this would be awesome. So I took Malachi into the waves. But who knows a kid who's only as high as my knees, waves up to my knees are halfway up his body. That's a big wave for him. And so we're going for a swim, and this kid's getting plummeled. He's getting battered by these waves. I'm just thinking, this is awesome. You know, my boy's going to grow up strong like a man. He's taking these waves on. Who knows he wasn't doing that? Who knows that he was screaming? He was yelling. If he could talk, he'd be saying, what are you doing, Dad? And he's freaking out and crying. All I'm thinking is, man up, little man. Come on, hit these waves. A few weeks ago, uh, when we got down here, we went to uh, the, the Gold Coast and uh, my kids were running in the waves. Uh, sorry, one of my kids was. Malachi wasn't. And I remembered, man, I've scarred this kid for life. He hates waves now. I've ruined my boy. He hates the beach. That's like non-Australian, isn't it? <laughs> and so my boy, based on memories, is now scared of waves because he had a stupid dad taking him into big waves. His, his fear is based out of memory. There was a guy named Jack, and he had an awful memory. One day he ran into a friend, and they began reminiscing on the street about how awful Jack's memory was. And, but Jack said to him, his friend, he said, actually, I've just been to a seminar and um, it helped me with my memory. And his friend said, oh, what was the name of the seminar? 
And Jack stopped and he said, oh, I've forgotten. Oh, but I know, I'll ask my wife because she was there. So he turned to his wife and then he turned back to his friend and he said, hey, what's the name of that flower that has the long stem with the thorns and the pretty flower? He said, is it a rose? He said, oh, yes, that's it. Hey, Rose, what was the name of that thing that we attended? (laughs) You know, I think a rose is a perfect picture of what a memory is. That at the same time, a memory can be beautiful and sweet, yet it can be thorny and prickly. Memories can make you smile, but then they can make you cry. See, memories have power. And at this point right here, right now, you have the ability to create good memories. David, further on in his life in the book of Psalms, we see this. He says, I'm worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with my tears. My vision is blurred by grief. My eyes are worn out because of all my enemies. And you can feel this guy's pain basically he's finding himself in a secluded place and he's basically uh, 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 in 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 a mode of depression oppression all he's focusing on is his insecurities all he's focusing on is is what did beat him all he's focusing is uh, on on is why he's not good enough all he's focusing on is the memories that are just keeping him down they're keeping him out they're keeping him rooted to one spot where he can't get out i'm here to tell you this morning church I know that there's some people here that have those same memories. There's memories that tell you that you're not good enough. Memories that you tell me that other people have ruined your life. Memories that keep you rooted to one spot and you can't seem to shake off insecurity. I love how David begins to change his memories. He goes on to say this, Go away, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea and the Lord will answer my prayer. David begins to remind himself, hang on a minute, I'm not not listening to my insecurity. There was a time when I killed the lion and the bear and God came through and I killed that giant. Now look where I am. I'm here to tell you this morning, church, you don't need to listen to those memories that tell you that you're not good enough. Those memories that tell you that somebody else ruins your life. I'm here to tell you that God has good things for you, that God has planned great things for you. I'm here to tell you this morning that God will lift you up out of the cave. I'm here to tell you this morning that God will lift you up out of those things that are going to hold you back. Woo! That was good. Someone record that. (laughs) I love how David begins to change how he thinks. He begins to reminisce on different things. And it changes the way that he then goes about his life. David goes from debilitating memories which cause stress to memories of, of hope which cause positive emotions. The memories that we create right now will define you and will define people around you. So I guess the question this morning is, how do we create good memories? That's a great question. Thanks for asking, Stasha. How do we create good memories? And so what I want to do today is just pick out a few areas in our lives that uh, some of us might have, some of us might not, but nonetheless, pick out a few areas and just talk about how we can create good memories which uh, I just know will bring some kind of great power into your life. Amen? Great. First uh, thought, we're going to talk about family. Who here is, is, is part of a family? Who here has a family? Well, who here doesn't have a family? Like no dad, no mum. That's pretty awesome. 
that's a miracle. Well done. <laughs> we all have mums and dads, you know, uh, we're all a son or a daughter. All of us are part of a family. And what I want to do is I want to bring to your attention a family in the Bible. Uh, and the guy's name is Job. Anyone heard of Job before? In Job 1, 4 to 5, it should be on the screen. And that uh, says this. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, what a great party, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering to each, uh, for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. I want to bring out two things to your attention this morning. What I think Job did well to build great family. Okay, what Job did well to foster great family and to build great memories. Number one, if you're writing this down, number one, he was involved in his family social life. He was involved in his family social life. Um, his sons would throw up, a, throw up a party. They'd invite the whole family and it would go for days. It's a good time, kind of like our Christmas celebrations, yeah? Goes for days with all the family. Job was involved with his family's social life. Uh, you know, uh, a few nights ago, I'm eating dinner and um, uh, I was just reading news on my phone. It's just what I do. I love reading the news while I'm eating and I'm eating, but I had these two little grommets either side of me poking and prodding me. One was pulling my ear, grabbing my ear, uh, grabbing my nose, trying to eat it. The other was poking me in the eyes, trying to tickle me under here. I'm just like battening these little mozzies off me. Get off, flipping little kids. Like, you know, I'm trying to eat my dinner and trying to read, but they just kept prodding at me. They kept poking at me. Any, any dads in, in the house this morning? You know what I'm talking about? Yes, thank you, Simon. Yes. <laughs> and so I'm like, man, these kids are like, just eat your dinner, kids. I've, I've worked hard to, for you to be blessed, to eat food. Eat your dinner. But who knows the kids didn't care about the blessing. All they cared about was the presence. They didn't care that they had electricity. They didn't care that they could have a bath and go and sleep on a nice bed. They didn't care about dinner. All they cared about was, I'm going to play with daddy. I want the presence of dad. You know, it's such a powerful thing, you know, being involved with your family socially. You know, my blessing is simply a, pro a byproduct of my presence. That's all it is with the kids, you know. They get dad, they get dad's blessing. We find Job here. He was a, a successful businessman. The guy had 7,000 sheep. He had 3,000 camels. He had one, uh, 500 teams of oxen. That's 1,000 cows. He had 500 female goats. The guy had a business. He had employees. He had things to do. He was a busy man, yet he still went to his kids' party. He still found time to spend time with his family socially. This is the point. When it comes your time to go visit the Lord forever, your family are going to think, they're only going to think two things, one of two things about you. Whether you were connected or whether you were disconnected. That's all people will think of you. Whether you were connected or whether you were disconnected. Let me encourage you, church. Mum, dad, grandma, granddad, let's be connected to our families socially. Learn how to have fun with your kids. Number two, Job was involved with his family spirituality. We see here that he would get up early in the morning and offer burnt offerings for each of them. This was Job's regular practice. 
the guy was involved in their church life. The guy was involved in their Jesus life. The guy was involved in their spiritual journey. The guy was involved not just with his family to have fun, but he was also involved in their walk with God. Let me encourage you, mum, dad, grandma, granddad, brother, sister, be involved with your family spiritually. Find times when you can pray for your family. I remember as a young boy, um, as, as a young boy, I remember waking up to my dad praying for our family. You know, um, I don't think I've ever told dad this. You know, I remember <laughs> dad uh, waking up at night and I would hear my dad praying in the lounge room for our family. Now, I don't know what he prayed for. I don't, I don't know what he prayed, but all I remember was that he did it. And that solidified something in me. And that's something that I've carried around my whole life that my dad not only was involved with us socially, but he was involved with his family spiritually. And it did something in my life. Who knows the reason why I'm here? Maybe it's because of those kind of prayers. Maybe it was because one of my family members was involved in my life spiritually. Let me encourage you, uh, mums and dads, if you, who's got kids over there this morning? When you're driving home, ask them what they learnt. Be involved with their spirituality. Ask them what they learnt. Solidify, solidify what Pastor Adam's doing over there. Let's create some kind of spiritual awareness in our kids. You know, uh, after being a youth pastor for around about 10 years, uh, I've just come to a conclusion that kids' behavior, kids' attitudes, all of those things, kids are simply byproducts of family memories. They're byproducts of what happens in the home. They're byproducts of of what they think about themselves based on what's happened in home. Uh, Section number two, marriage. Let's look at marriage for a minute. Making good memories in marriage. You know, the same is true. Um, A happy family is no accident. A happy marriage is no accident. Uh, Just like every other area of life. You know, most marriages, uh, they start out, you know, with an emphasis on, on dating and having fun and then they get married and then spouses then both go to work and they become busier and then there's no more fun in the marriage. <laughs> fun, fun. Who wants to get married, <laughs> right? You know, but here's the kicker. You want a strong marriage? Learn how to have fun together throughout life, not just at the start of marriage. I love what the writer writes in Luke. In fact, this is Jesus talking. He says this, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there was enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, uh, there's that person that started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Now, I'm taking this out of context, obviously. Jesus here is talking about following him. He's talking about counting the cost to follow him. You know, no one would build a house without knowing how much it's going to cost. Jesus is saying, hey, there's a cost to following me. But we can kind of relate this principle to marriage, I think. See, every marriage starts with great foundations, yeah? You know, you go out, you get engaged, you have a great wedding day, great foundations. But who knows the marriage hasn't been built yet? Who knows the marriage isn't finished? When you get married, it's not like, oh, there we go, I'm married, I'm done. You know, I've done working on this. You know, time to I don't know, do stuff for myself. That's not how it works. The marriage hasn't been finished. Uh, it, it hasn't been built. Uh, hasn't been finished. It's not finished being built. Let's say that. That's good. That's good. 
I was getting confused there, Pastor Brett. Seriously. <laughs> there needs to be a continuation of happy marriages, of, of happy memories. That's what keeps marriages together. Um, Kat and I had, we've, we've, we've got two kids and they're beautiful kids, but who knows that God didn't send kids to build marriages? Anyone? Just me. Okay, just me. I've got crazy sinking kids. <laughs> who knows that they were sent to destroy your marriage? Who knows that? Kids aren't glue. Kids are when you get two opposite magnets together and you can't put them back together. That's what it does to the marriage. It destroys marriages. So anyway, Kat and I had two of these marriage-destroying little things. And I love you, Abby. I love you, Bubba. <laughs> anyway, where was I? Oh, that's right. Kids destroy marriages. Yeah. Um, you know, Kat, I was, we were finding ourselves going out on dates and all we would talk about were the kids. That's what we found ourselves to, We'd go out on dates and we would, all, we would only talk about kids or work. That was it. Nothing else. We're finding ourselves talking about work or kids, kids or work, kids, 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 work, 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 what the kids did while I was at work. I went to work to get away from the kids, all these kind of things. All about the kids. I remember, Kat might remember it, we were out on a date and I just, I couldn't, I, I, I lost it. I said, stop, I'm sick of talking about these kids. We need to stop it. They're not the only thing for us here. We need to create memories for ourselves. And so we just made a deal then and there that when we go out on dates, no more kids. We're not talking about kids, not talking about work. We're going to talk about things that you and I do. Another thing that I did, and every guy, you should write this down because your wife's going to hold you accountable now for the next 30 years. <laughs> I made a decision in my own heart that every year I'm going to take Kat away on a holiday, just me and her. It was a few days away and I would save for it. So this would cost me. It cost me lots of money. It cost me, and I would take Kat away to somewhere that we had never been before. Every year we do it. We go somewhere where, where we haven't been. What I'm doing is I'm basically buying memories. That's what I'm doing. I'm purchasing memories. I'm investing into memories. And you can, you know, if you're a female, go see Kat. If you're a male, please don't hit me too hard. <laughs> but I do this. And I tell you what, our dates are awesome now because we get to talk about things that only... Cat and I know about. We have in-jokes. My kids aren't in them, which is awesome. My kids don't know some of the stories that we have. Our friends don't know some of the stories that we have. There's only things that Cat and I know. And so now we can reminisce. We can talk about it. So who knows that sometimes marriage gets hard, yeah? So when we go through a hard time, we can stop pity-patting and stop going, oh, this is too hard. And we can start talking about the things that we have done and the things that we can do to laugh again. Memories build marriages. Find times in your marriage where you can build happy memories. Memories are an investment. Really quickly, two other areas before we get to my last one. Two other areas, study and work. Some of us here study, some of us here work. You know, uh, it's the same thing. What you put in, you're going to get out. Um, in, in high school, I didn't do very well in high school. In fact, I almost failed school. I failed, I failed half of my subjects except uh, I failed all my subjects uh, by the top half that, that I needed. So I had just passed school. And I tell you what, church, that debilitated me for years. For years I wouldn't read. For years I wouldn't study. I loathed it. Not the fact for it, but because in the back of my mind I said, Tim, you're not good enough. In the back of my mind I said, you failed, you almost failed before 
and it took you 12 years and you almost failed, how do you think you're going to do something in, in this period of time? You can't do it. Well, it wasn't until I got into ministry that I had to start reading and doing things like this. And I quickly found out that I kind of like it. And I was kind of okay at it. And so I thought, I'm going to have a crack at doing some studies. So I did some study and I finished what I started. And I think that's the key. If you're studying here this morning, or maybe you started study, but it's on the back burner and you haven't finished it, go back and finish whatever degree you have. Go back and finish whatever certificate you're doing. Because I started something, I finished it, and I felt so good. I thought to myself, I can do this. And so then I did another one, and I did it. Then I did a a third one. I did it, and I finished it. I did a fourth one. I did a fifth one. Now I'm doing my sixth one. I'm doing a uni degree. I didn't do well at school, but now I'm I'm loving studying, doing really well. And it's all because I had to create new memories. I had a bad memory, and it held me to a point. I changed the memory. Now I love study and I think I'm pretty good at it. All because I changed how I thought about it. Because I changed how I thought about myself. You know, the same as work. You hate your job because you've got a bad memory of it. That's why. But maybe there's someone that's, that's done something to you. That's a bad memory. Someone here. You love your job because it's full of good memories. Tell you what, you want to love your job? Create good memories in it. Create good memories. Do something in your workplace. Encourage someone. Randomly buy someone a gift. Do something. And during staff meetings, stand up and just say, excuse me, everyone, I just want to say, I love working with you all. You know, you're great, except you. Uh, but I, I love you all. You know, um, you know I, think, I think you should be fired. But, uh, I, I love you. You know, it's, it's amazing. You're encouraging. Do that. You'll be shocked. But the next morning, I tell you what, you're going to be getting some winks. Hey, how you doing? Hey, good, yeah. Except from that guy. But... Uh, <laughs> begin to create good memories here's another thing I don't like some things about our culture I don't like how we say don't work too hard I don't like that I think it's silly because who knows that sometimes hard work is what you need to do have you ever gone to work and like you had these things to do but just little things kept coming up and so you didn't finish the tasks that, that you had and you just didn't finish any of the deadlines and you get home and it's like oh how was work oh, it's, it was horrible oh why just didn't get nothing done who knows those kind of days you know you feel like there's nothing and you come home and you're lethargic but then there's days where you you meet all the deadlines and you've done what you needed to do you smashed it out you got everything done you get home and it's like I had a good day I did what I needed to do who knows sometimes hard work actually gives you energy I think I don't think we need a church of don't work too hard I think we need a church of hey let's work hard let's do it well I love what the scripture says. It says, do it well, I guess. Let's have a look. Whatever you do, do well. There you go, I was right. Whatever you do, do well. Let's just work well. Yeah? Let's work with people well. I'll tell you what, you're going to create good memories. Last thing this morning is this. Find it in 2 Corinthians 3.16. It says this. Whenever though they, they being the church, whenever though they, you, turn to face God, just as Moses did, God removes the veil. That's anything that separates us from Him. So when we turn, when we, excuse me, when we focus on God, when we are aware of His presence, God removes anything that separates us from Him. And there we are face to face. They, the church, we suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. 
He's not something there, but he's something here. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete, which is just a lot of fancy words that says all those rules and rituals and regulations that we put upon ourselves, they're gone. So when we meet with God, whatever, uh, 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 whatever things we go, oh, I didn't do that, I didn't do this, whatever regulations or rules, we, we, they're gone, we're free. We're free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of His face and we're transfigured, which just as a fancy pants word to say changed, much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become more like Him. Yeah, let's get the band up. You know, that's our end goal, yeah, is become more like Him, is to become more like Jesus. I tell you what, you want to create good memories in your spiritual work, continue becoming more like Him. You want to create good memories in your spiritual life, you want to create good memories in your church, you want to create good memories, uh, 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 you know, in your prayer life, become more like Him. Find moments in your life when you can encourage someone. Find moments in your life where you can begin to pray over someone. Find moments in your life where you can maybe even just control your uh, flesh desires. Become more like Him. And I'll tell you what, as you become more like Jesus, you're going to create memories in your spiritual walk. All you need to do is begin to have your own experience. That's it. And I'll tell you what, as you have that experience with God, it's going to create memories. Memories that God's for me. Memories that God's enough. Memories that I'm full of hope. Memories that I've got faith in God. And I'll tell you what, when you come up against those situations that you can't control, those hard times in life that you can't control, and you feel like you feel like that you're unbalanced. You feel like life has just socked you in the head. It's in those moments where you're in a position of situations that you can't control that you can, hang on a minute. I've experienced God's grace before. I've experienced His healing before. I've experienced His, His grace before. I've experienced His, His mercy before. And even though I feel like I'm in a situation where my enemies are all around me, where my insecurities are telling me that I'm not good enough, where, where it seems like I just don't feel like I can, when, when situations and circumstances are telling me that I'm God, I, I, I don't know how to handle this, but I do know that God is a good God. He didn't let me down last time. He's not going to let me down this time. I'm here to tell you this morning, church, that God is for you. You know, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's basically a dare. The Bible is basically saying, I dare you to taste that God's good. I dare you. I dare you to experience Him. That's my challenge right now. I dare you. In the next, in the next five or ten minutes, we're just going to get into His presence. Taste that He's good. You might be here this morning and Maybe you've got some prickly memories. Maybe when I talked about family, you said, I'm a pastor, Tim. You don't know the beginning of it. You don't know the, the prickles that are between my toes when it comes to family. I'm here to tell you this morning, God wants to remove those prickles. 
Jesus wants to take those prickles and turn those thorns into a beautiful rose. I love what Paul said when he said, I forget the past and I look forward. He's not saying that I forget it, that I don't remember it anymore. What he's saying is this. He's saying, I think I'm going to forget the hurt that it's caused me. He's saying, I'm going to intentionally take the prickle out. I'm not going to live connected to that hurt anymore, but I'm going to move forward. You know, maybe when we talked about marriage, you, Pastor Tim, but you, you know, my marriage is it, it's done. It, it's prickly. Let me hear it. Here to tell you, number one, God is a relation restoring God, but once again, God is a God of grace. And you might have gone or was going through a tough thing right now in your marriage, but let me tell you, your marriage might have left you, but God didn't. And God can heal that prickle, God can heal that thorn that's in your side. God can cause you to walk straight. You might be here this morning and like me, you thought that you were no good. You thought that you were no good and you couldn't amount to anything. I'm here to tell you this morning, that's just a lie. That's a lie that we've made because of a bad memory. Let me tell you that God is, through the Holy Spirit, He's given you power and purpose and He's called you to greater things. Thank you. Why don't we just stand this morning? We're going to sing uh, a song just in a moment. It is well with my soul. I think that's just a great declaration song. But if you're here today, I want to pray for some people. And uh, as I was just getting ready, I just I felt to pray for these two kinds of people. And I've already mentioned them. And that's one, you got bad memories in your family. And there's just something that's just holding you back. Or maybe it's your marriage. And I would just love to just spend time and just minister this morning to anyone who you just know there's something in your life that's just holding you back. It's like a prickle. It's painful. When we begin talking about it, you switch off. I would love to, I would love to just pray with you. Help just to taste and see that the Lord is good. That God is good. He's a healing God. He's a God of hope. And so if, you, if that's you this morning, as we sing this song, I'm going to be down here and so is my wife and the pastoral team. I just want to pray with you and just see God heal. Amen. Amen. Just before we get there, tonight Pastor Brett uh, is going to be uh, speaking, but also we're going to be praying for um, all of our young people. Uh, youth starts this week, praise God. We get our Friday nights back. Youth starts up. We're going to pray for all of our young people tonight. And so if you are a parent with a kid that comes to youth, come along tonight. And uh, we're going to pray for the fire of God to hit your young person. And uh, it's going to be amazing. And so we'll see you back here tonight. Um, if you want prayer, please come down. We'll pray with you.